Chapter Eight of Penrod and Sam. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jonathan Burchard, April two thousand nine. Penrod and Sam by Booth Tarkington. Chapter Eight. Salvage. The two boys shrieked with excitement as they beheld the coincidence of the strange return. They burst into the stable, making almost as much noise as Duke, who had become frantic at the invasion. Sam laid hands upon a rake. "'You get out of there, you old horse, you!' he bellowed. "'I ain't afraid to drive him out. I—' "'Wait a minute!' Penrod shouted. "'Wait till I—' Sam was manfully preparing to enter the stall. "'You hold the doors open,' he commanded, "'so's they won't blow shut and keep him in here. I'm going to hit him.' Quiet! Penrod shouted, grasping the handle of the rake so that Sam could not use it. Wait a minute, can't you? He turned with ferocious voice and gestures upon Duke. Duke! And Duke, in spite of his excitement, was so impressed that he prostrated himself in silence, and then unobtrusively withdrew from the stable. Penrod ran to the alley doors and closed them. My gracious! Sam protested. What you going to do? "'I'm going to keep this horse,' said Penrod, whose face showed the strain of a great idea. "'What for?' "'For the reward,' Penrod said simply. Sam sat down in the wheelbarrow and stared at his friend almost with awe. "'My gracious,' he said. "'I never thought of that. "'How, how much do you think we'll get, Penrod?' Sam's thus admitting himself to a full partnership in the enterprise meant no objection from Penrod who was absorbed in the contemplation of Whitey. Well, he said judicially, we might get more and we might get less. Sam rose and joined his friend in the doorway opening upon the two stalls. Whitey had preempted the nearer and was hungrily nuzzling the old frayed hollows in the manger. Maybe a hundred dollars or something, Sam asked in a low voice. Penrod maintained his composure and repeated the newfound expression that had sounded well to him a moment before. He recognized it as a symbol of the non-committal attitude that makes people looked up to. Well, he made it slow and frowned. We might get more, and we might get less. More'n a hundred dollars? Sam gasped. Well, said Penrod, we might get more, and we might get less. This time, however, he felt the need of adding something. He put a question in an indulgent tone, as though he were inquiring, not to add to his own information, but to discover the extent of Sam's. How much do you think horses are worth, anyway? I don't know, Sam said frankly, and unconsciously he added, they might be more and they might be less. Well, when our old horse died, Penrod said, Papa said he wouldn't take in five hundred dollars for him. That's how much horses are worth. My gracious, Sam exclaimed. Then he had a practical afterthought. But maybe he was a better horse than this un. What color was he? He was bay. Looky here, Sam, and now Penrod's manner changed from the superior to the eager. You look what kind of horses they have in a circus, and you bet a circus has the best horses, don't it? Well, what kind of horses do they have in a circus? They have some black and white ones, but the best they have are white all over. Well, what kind of a horse is this we got here? He's pretty near white right now, and I bet if we washed him off and got him fixed up nice, he would be white. Well, a bay horse is worth five hundred dollars, because that's what Papa said, and this horse, Sam interrupted rather timidly, he, he's awfully bony, Penrod. You don't think they'd make any... Penrod laughed contemptuously. Bony? All he needs is a little food, and he'll fill right up and look good as ever. 
You don't know much about horses, Sam, I expect. Why, our old horse! Do you expect he's hungry now? asked Sam, staring at Whitey. Let's try him, said Penrod. Horses like hay and oats the best, but they'll eat most anything. I guess they will. He's trying to eat that manger up right now, and I bet it ain't good for him. Come on, said Penrod, closing the door that gave entrance to the stalls. We got to get this horse some drinkin' water and some good food. They tried Whitey's appetite first with an autumnal branch that they wrenched from a hardy maple in the yard. They had seen horses nibble leaves, and they expected Whitey to nibble the leaves of this branch, but his ravenous condition did not allow him time for cool discriminations. Sam poked the branch at him from the passageway, and Whitey, after one backward movement of alarm, seized it venomously. "'Here! You stop that!' Sam shouted. "'You stop that, you old horse, you!' "'What's the matter?' called Penrod from the hydrant, where he was filling a bucket. "'What's he doing now?' "'Doin'? He's eatin' the wood part, too!' He's chewing up sticks as big as baseball bats. He's crazy. Penrod rushed to see this sight and stood aghast. Take it away from him, Sam, he commanded sharply. Go on, take it away from him yourself, was the prompt retort of his comrade. You had no business to give it to him, said Penrod. Anybody with any sense ought to know it'd make him sick. What do you want to go and give it to him for? Well, you didn't say not to. Well, what if I didn't? I never said I did, did I? You go on in that stall and take it away from him. Yes, I will, Sam returned bitterly. Then, as Whitey had dragged the remains of the branch from the manger to the floor of the stall, Sam scrambled to the top of the manger and looked over. There ain't much left to take away. He swallowed it all except some splinters. Better give him the water to try and wash it down with. And as Penrod complied, My gracious, look at that horse drink! They gave Whitey four buckets of water, and then debated the question of nourishment. Obviously, this horse could not be trusted with branches, and, after getting their knees black and their backs sodden, they gave up trying to pull enough grass to sustain him. Then Penrod remembered that horses like apples, both cooking apples and eating apples, and Sam mentioned the fact that every autumn his father received a barrel of cooking apples from a cousin who owned a farm. That barrel was in the William cellar now, and the cellar was providentially supplied with outside doors so that it could be visited without going through the house. Sam and Penrod set forth for the cellar. They returned to the stable bulging, and after a discussion of Whitey's digestion, Sam claiming that eating the corn seeds, as Whitey did, would grow trees in his inside, they went back to the cellar for supplies again. And again. They made six trips, carrying each time a capacity cargo of apples, and still Whitey ate in a famished manner. They were afraid to take more apples from the barrel, which began to show conspicuously the result of their raids. Wherefore, Penrod made an unostentatious visit to the cellar of his own house. From the inside he opened a window and passed vegetables out to Sam, who placed them in a bucket and carried them hurriedly to the stable, while Penrod returned in a casual manner through the house. Of his sang-froid under a great strain it is sufficient to relate that, in the kitchen, he said suddenly to Della the cook, Oh, look behind you! And by the time Della discovered that there was nothing unusual behind her, Penrod was gone, and a loaf of bread from the kitchen table was gone with him. Whitey now ate nine turnips, two heads of lettuce, one cabbage, eleven raw potatoes, and the loaf of bread. He ate the loaf of bread last, and he was a long time about it, so the boys came to a not unreasonable conclusion. Well, sir, I guess we got him filled up at last, said Penrod. I bet he wouldn't eat a saucer of ice cream now if we gave it to him. 
"'He looks better to me,' said Sam, staring critically at Whitey. "'I think he's kind of begun to fill out some.' "'I expect he must like us,' said Penrod. "'We've been doing a good deal for this horse.' "'Well, we got to keep it up,' Penrod insisted rather pompously. "'Long as I got charge of this horse, he's going to get good treatment.' "'What we better do now, Penrod?' Penrod took on the outward signs of deep thought. "'Well, there's plenty to do, all right. I got to think.' Sam made several suggestions, which Penrod, maintaining his air of preoccupation, dismissed with mere gestures. "'Oh, I know,' Sam cried finally. "'We ought to wash him so's he'll look whiter in what he does now. We can turn the hose on him across the manger.' "'No, not yet,' Penrod said. "'It's too soon after his meal.' You ought to know that yourself. What we got to do is make up a bed for him, if he wants to lay down or anything. Make up a what for him? Sam echoed dumbfounded. What you talking about? How can't sawdust? Penrod said. That's the way the horse we used to have used to have it. We'll make this horse's bed in the other stall, and then he can go in there and lay down whenever he wants to. How are we going to do it? Look, Sam, there's the hole into the sawdust box. All you got to do is walk in there with the shovel, stick the shovel in the hole till it gets full of sawdust, and then sprinkle it around on the empty stall. All I got to do, Sam cried. What are you going to do? I'm going to be right here, Penrod answered reassuringly. He won't kick or anything, and it isn't going to take you half a second to slip around behind him to the other stall. What makes you think he won't kick? Well, I know he won't. And besides, you could hit him with the shovel if he tried to. Anyway, I'll be right here, won't I? I don't care where you are, Sam said earnestly. What difference would it make if he kicked? Why, you were going right in the stalls, Penrod reminded him. When he first came in, you were going to take the rake and... I don't care if I was, Sam declared. I was excited then. Well, you can get excited now, can't you? His friend urged. You can just as easy get... He was interrupted by a shout from Sam who was keeping his eye upon Whitey through the discussion. "'Look! Looky there!' And undoubtedly renewing his excitement, Sam pointed at the long, gaunt head beyond the manger. It was disappearing from view. "'Look!' Sam shouted. "'He's laying down!' "'Well, then,' said Penrod, "'I guess he's going to take a nap. "'If he wants to lay down without waiting for us to get the sawdust fixed for him, "'that's his lookout, not ours.' On the contrary, Sam perceived a favorable opportunity for action. I'd just as soon go and make his bed up while he's laying down, he volunteered. You climb up on the manger and watch him, Penrod, and I'll sneak in the other stall and fix it all up nice for him, so's he can go in there any time when he wakes up and lay down again, or anything. And if he starts to get up, you holler, and I'll jump out over the other manger. Accordingly, Penrod established himself in a position to observe the recumbent figure. Whitey's breathing was rather labored but regular, and as Sam remarked, he looked better, even in his slumber. It is not to be doubted that although Whitey was suffering from a light attack of colic, his feelings were in the main those of contentment. After trouble, he was solaced. After exposure, he was sheltered. After hunger and thirst, he was fed and watered. He slept. The noon whistles blew before Sam's task was finished, but by the time he departed for lunch there was made a bed of such quality that Whitey must needs have been born a fault-finder if he complained of it. The friends parted, each urging the other to be prompt in returning, but Penrod got into threatening difficulties as soon as he entered the house. End of chapter 8